Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. My first opportunity to discuss what is going on in Kenosha and in Madison and in other places across the country as a result of what happened on Sunday, the shooting of Jacob Blake. All right, if I had to summarize it at the beginning, here, here is the deal. All right, what is happening now does not help. What is happening now does not help. Now, I think that there are a lot of questions that can fairly be asked about the incident and what it caused what caused a police officer to fire into this man's back on multiple occasions all right just like the the George Floyd situation resulted in charges i don't want to prejudge this but it is very difficult for me to understand how that encounter could have raised risen to the level to give a police officer the justification for shooting somebody in the back on multiple occasions. And and I think I am confident that people will be held accountable. Now, I, I, I don't know. No, nobody is suggesting that there was a firearm in the, that car. If he was reaching for, you know, a loaded assault rifle or something, maybe. And I say maybe that would be justified. But so far, there, there's no evidence to suggest that. And I, I think this is going to turn out to ultimately, unlike perhaps some other instances that have caused protests, I think that it's very difficult for me to understand how this is going to come back to be a justifiable shooting. But but that will play out in, in time. The matter is under investigation. The police officers are suspended for the moment. And I, the sooner we're able to get to the bottom of this, the better. If there are to be charges brought, the sooner the better. Having said all that, What is happening now in the aftermath of the Jacob Blake shooting is inexcusable and does not help the cause. If you have not been following it, there there is wholesale rioting, arson, and destruction going on, first of all in Kenosha, but also in, in Madison by a relatively small group of people. We're not talking about thousands. We're, we're talking about hundreds. But if you haven't reviewed this, it's, okay, windows at the state capitol vandalized again. You know, people taking to the streets, breaking windows. Um, a number of buildings in Kenosha have been set on fire. Looking at some of the stories, there's a guy who runs a thrift store on 60th Street in Kenosha, set on fire between 10 o'clock and 2.30 a.m. last night. Buildings sustained thousands of dollars of damage, much of which isn't going to be covered by insurance. Cooper's Tavern, that was the bar in Madison where the the Madison riots kind of started um, last June. All right, well, that place was vandalized again. All of its front windows smashed in. Kenosha businesses, again, along 60th Street and 13th Avenue, a furniture store was burned down. You had the, the state building for the Department of Corrections that was burned to the ground. The The list goes on and on. You have a number of other 
businesses which have had the windows broken out. There has been widespread looting. You've seen uh, Molotov cocktails thrown at various buildings, both in Kenosha and in Madison. You've had mom-and-pop businesses that have nothing at all to do with this police shooting. They have been targeted for looting or for burning. You have a situation which is just out of control. You have that car lot in Kenosha where on multiple occasions people have gone and set fire to that. People setting fire to um, you know public vehicles like garbage trucks and things like that. Just a complete and total out of control, in my opinion, response for people who are, I think, not intending to engage in legitimate protest, but rather to engage in lawlessness, vandalism, and in some cases, looting. And my point is, by doing this, the people that participate in this, they hurt the cause. Because I believe there's a lot of people that look at, for example, we we only have like the 20-second video, but you look at this and you say, all right, there's no justification, or it's tough to imagine what the justification could be for this police conduct. Fine, we need to bring the police officer. If he's in the wrong, we need him to bring him to justice. We need to get this investigation out there. But I think you turn off a lot of people who would be otherwise sympathetic when you say, all right, we're just going to allow the mob to... Go destroy things that have nothing to do, uh, again, destroying people's businesses, destroying these mom-and-pop businesses, breaking windows, whether it's on State Street or in Kenosha, that accomplishes nothing other than to just act out in a moment of of rage. And then you see some commentators that are trying to, uh, again, just sort of justify this. I was reading one story today. Somebody writes for one of the local newspapers saying, for those worried about property damage, your attention is in the wrong place. Windows, buildings, and cars can all be fixed or replaced, which is easy to say if it's not if not your house that's being vandalized, if it's not your building that's being looted, if it's not your car that is being set on fire. Writer I'm looking at in a local newspaper says, I'm worried about the trauma that people endure when they are subjected to seeing people shot in front of them, which is a fair point, which is a fair point. Yes, you know what? What went on to lead to this? And and yes, is it unjustified? Well, I think you can probably make that conclusion. But that does not, at least in my opinion, justify all this other stuff. And to simply say windows, buildings, and cars can all be fixed or replaced. Well, tell that to the local business guy who's trying to make a life for himself, trying to provide jobs for the community, trying to survive. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to have a discussion about the violence. Because, I look, there, there's no way, at least based on what we know, that anybody can, at least at this point in time, defend the, the shooting the other day. All right. And I don't think anybody should be trying to defend that because unless there's something that I, most of us just can't imagine, I think it's going to turn out to be an unjustified shooting. But this idea that, OK, well, this then justifies the looting, the burning, the arson. I, I just don't buy it. And my belief is every time you see pictures of that, the general response is, 
you know, I, I don't want to be part of this group. I, I understand people are upset about this, but, you know, this is just an excuse to engage in violence. And from the perspective of whether it's businesses in Kenosha or, in particular, businesses in Madison that continue, it's the same sort of businesses that continue to be vandalized, at some point in time, you're going to have these businesses that say, enough is enough, we're pulling out, and how does that help anybody? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Here's a couple texts before we go to the calls. Jeff, when I talk about these things with my family and friends, we all say the same thing. When these things happen, and he's talking about the shooting of the man in Kenosha on Sunday, we are very sympathetic. But after the rioting and their lawlessness, our our sympathy turns to anger, right? It, you lose you lose sight of the, the appropriate outrage about the fact that maybe you had police misconduct. I'm getting some emails saying, "Well, if the guy hadn't if he hadn't resisted arrest or if he complied, he wouldn't have been shot." Well, okay, that that does not justify shooting somebody seven times in the back. That that's that's what the issue is. And I mean, you are only able allowed to use deadly force if you have a reasonable belief that the person that you're using it against is going to be in, engaging in that. And so it. It's tough from the video to see what that might be. Um, Jeff, the most outrageous thing is that most of the vandalism and looting is done by outside opportunists and not local protesters. Well, I, I, there, there is an element of, of that. There, there's no question about it. And I also understand that the majority of people who come, they're, they're out to express their anger and their frustration, and they're not the ones throwing Molotov cocktails, and they're not the ones burning things down. But there's enough people that are engaging that and throwing bricks at police officers. I mean, that was the thing the first night this happened. You know, there were people that were just proudly proclaiming, hey, you know, there, there's an officer on the ground. He, he got bricked because we threw a brick at him. I mean, OK, really? That's it. You show up with water bottles and you throw the water bottles at the police and that's supposed to make you feel like you are accomplishing something. I mean, here, here's kind of the bottom line. You want to turn people off to the cause. That you, you keep doing stuff like that. You keep burning down buildings. You keep vandalizing and looting small businesses that are owned by people. I mean, they have nothing at all to do with this. Yeah, keep, keep it up if you want to, again, if you want to try to turn people away from the legitimate aspects of, of the cause. And I think some of the protesters and some of the protest leaders, what they need to do is they need to get a better handle on some of the people that are out there, not for legitimate protests, but rather out there to destroy stuff. Let's start with Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, the, the, the fact is, is that uh, these opportunists, the, the fact is, is that, you know, they, they don't care about what they're doing. They're just finding the reason. They're coming out in the evening, finding the reason to loot and rob stores and, and, and cause mayhem. And they don't care one lick about this individual who got shot, and so it's 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 counterproductive. Yep. And one way that they're tearing up their community, they're tearing up stores that may not be able to come back, and so you're left with a wasteland when these individual companies and stores leave the community. And then we come back and ask the ask why why don't businesses come to the black community. The fact is, is that, you know, uh, uh, why should they? 
because if 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 you if you are, are going to be threatened and your business is going to be destroyed, the fact is, why should you stay there? Right, because you have choices. So you can open your business. You you can put your car lot pretty much anywhere you want. And if if it's going to be destroyed or your windows in your bar are going to be broken time after time, pretty soon you're going to say it's not worth the effort. Exactly. And 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 individuals who come out say, well, these individual businesses have insurance. You don't know these individuals. Maybe they don't. You know, we're in the era of COVID, uh, of COVID, uh, the, the disease, and you don't know what these people are going through. Right. And, you know, maybe they dropped their insurance because, you know, maybe they can't afford it at this particular time. And the fact is they're trying to get back on their feet, and now you now they have to go through this. Right. The fact is that these individuals should be arrested, you know, and, 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 and put in jail because the fact is there's a few individuals who just want to come out here and create mayhem and they don't care about anything. You know what I really wonder, Vince, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of feedback from, from people who are, are making the distinction between like some of the local protesters and activists and then that that criminal element that's there, whether it's it's people coming from outside the community or whatever, you know, the opportunists who are using this as as the excuse to go and, and loot and, and throw firebombs and do all that. And I, I think that's going to be one of the interesting stories is is what's really driving this, which is why I say I think a lot of the local protesters, those, those leaders have to get a handle on this unless they want to hurt their cause. Well, yeah, I agree with you, but and and the fact is, uh, the fact is on news on the news channels, national and local. The fact is, we're not talking about an individual being shot seven times. We're talking about these 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 crazy individuals out here creating mayhem in 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 a community, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. Now, now I'm. It's interesting. I knew this day was going to be an interesting day. So I'm get a lot of feedback and emails from people saying, don't you realize, haven't you looked at the background of the man that was shot? Don't you realize that he had criminal charges that were pending against him, etc.? Yeah, I, I understand all that. I, I, I do. But that's that that's not a justification for okay resisting arrest for the sake of argument, is not a justification for being shot multiple times in the back. And, and that's what that video looks like. Now, there, again, there, there may be other facts that come out which explains why that police officer who grabbed the man by his T-shirt felt it necessary to shoot him in the back on multiple occasions. I'm having trouble... I'm having trouble justifying this. But at the same time, look, it's not a question of, you know, the man who was the victim of the shooting, even if he did not handle the encounter with the police as he should, that that doesn't justify somebody being shot in the back on multiple occasions. And, And I think people have to understand that just like. Just like it doesn't justify people deciding, okay, we're going to go burn a public building to the ground and we're going to go loot private businesses. We pick it up right there in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. We will carry this over uh, over the news. So if you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff, unfortunately, I have a son who is on the Kenosha Police Department. Many of the people involved in what's been going on in the day, other in the last couple of days have license plates from Minnesota, Texas, Missouri, Illinois, and parts unknown. My son's future in-laws, who are immigrants, lost everything last night when their business was burned to the ground. Meanwhile, the highly organized, quote-unquote, protesters are hitting an understaffed police department in constant waves, officers on duty for 16 hours straight, right, which tells you that this is 
not just a protest, but rather this is an opportunity seized by some people who are anarchists to use what happened on Sunday as an excuse to try to advance their agenda. My point is this hurts the cause of people who I think look at this and say, what could have been going on and, and why didn't the police have body cameras and you know what, what could somebody have been thinking about this? This, this hurts the cause when you see, okay, another night and another example of widespread looting or arson or whatever. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Yes, uh, how are you? Real well. How are you doing? You. I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Hey, I always agree with your show, but Hey, I'm going to have to fight you tooth and nail on this one. I'm giving you a totally different perspective. It's not the people that's responsible for what's going on as far as what's happening. These officers in the United States that's occurring right now between the Floyd situation, this current situation, and other situations, especially in Milwaukee, what has happened to black men being shot and different individuals being shot and, and officers emptying their guns. They are responsible for this mess. It's called collateral damage. You need to verify the point is this. If you drop a bomb, then you're going to have collateral damage. And these officers are responsible for the burning of America. You need to make the statement. And, and these officers, uh, which are typically white, need to be responsible. They're the ones that started this mess. See, when you start a fight, then other people are going to finish it. So, yeah, right or wrong, like, oh, this should be burning. Oh, I hear you. You're crying to the birds. If the bomb wasn't dropped, then you don't have collateral damage. The, the damage is coming from the police departments of the United so, States So you, of you think the Kenosha not, Police Department is responsible for the people who decided to burn down innocent people's businesses? That is correct. The officer that did that is correct. You are 100% correct. They are. What, what do you think with George Floyd? If, if he wouldn't have killed that man and stood there with his hands in his pocket, he is responsible. Not the people, the aftermath, the collateral damage. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Jeff. Well, but, but, people, but you, but you, the damage that you get. Well, um, so, so Marcus, if, if protesters decided to, for example, come out to your house, because they, they don't, they don't, they don't know your, your background or whatever, you just happen to be in that area and somebody burns down your house. You know, you're you're not going to hold those people that burned down your house responsible. It's going to be uh, the, the police that started this. What, what, what the police has started it. It's just like when Trump drops whatever bomb he drops every day with what he says, and then you have the collateral damage. You're not being a realist on this. I'm just giving you a different perspective well, on this. It's the police department's fault. It, 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 and that officer, Walter Tulsa, that what happened to him, he deserved every bit of what he got, what, what happened to him. Okay, you the police, well, I don't want to get too, Marcus, I don't want to get too far, I don't want to get too far afield, but what if it turns out that right. the, the Joseph men said that, that his shooting was justified, that the kid had a stolen handgun that fired on him? What happens if it turns out that he's justified? So what happened to him is then, that's that's just okay? Even though he did everything right, oh, if that's what the investigation oh, says, justify. You, you you killed three people in five years, so everything is upside. To keep, I, I have I've had I have members of my family that, that's on the Milwaukee police uh, force, and I'm just saying that to pull your weapon within five year period, you killed three people. Uh, that 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 that's something totally unacceptable. Okay. But I'll leave it at that. All right, thanks to call Marcus. There you have it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Marcus's position is. Because because you have a police officer, and we'll assume for the sake of argument, for the sake of the point, we will. Uh, you have a police officer who reacted in an 
improper fashion who may be subject to criminal charges. There's going to be an investigation on that. And again, I'm not going to justify it, but Marcus's position is anything goes. Because you're upset, it's just collateral damage that justifies looting. Here, I'm going to go grab that TV set. It justifies burning down people's businesses. It justifies burning things to the ground. If people get injured or people die as a result of that, well, it's not the fault of the people that are throwing the firebombs. Are we really at that point? Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, we have people on both sides of the issue upset with me, and that's okay. I I have some people saying, Jeff, don't you realize that this shooting is going to, you're going to look awfully dumb because this shooting is going to ultimately be determined to be legitimate. Okay, well, and then people are, oh, and and people have all sorts of different theories as to why. I'll say again, my, my comments about the rioting and the looting and the violence presuppose that there was police misconduct. Now, maybe the investigation is going to show this is justified. As I've said before, it's difficult for me, and and keep in mind this is a recovering lawyer who spent a long time as a federal prosecutor. It's going to be difficult for me to figure out how when you shoot somebody in the back on multiple occasions, even if they're – see, resisting arrest – doesn't give you the ability, doesn't give a police officer the authority to pull out a gun and shoot somebody. And when, when you hear somebody being shot in the back, um, it, it's very, on multiple occasions, it's difficult for me to understand how that's going to turn out to be legitimate self-defense, but maybe it will. That's the matter that's under investigation. There's all sorts of things out there that none of us know. So, right, if, if there's more facts that emerge that dramatically change the situation, well, we'll talk about that from that perspective. But right now, my conversation says, okay, let us assume that this is an unjustified police shooting of somebody who did not deserve to have this happen to them. All right, even, I don't care, even if you assume that, to me the idea of justifying that this is going to justify people coming apparently from all over the country and using this as an excuse to burn down public buildings, loot private businesses, break out windows, blow up car lots and things like that, to me, that that's Lord of the Flies type of stuff. It, it's absolute anarchy. And the idea that, well, people are upset about this, so that justifies anything that happens. I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't buy that. We have a system of justice in this country. Yeah, prosecute the people that were responsible for the death of George Floyd. I understand that. But it serves nothing to, to say, okay, we're going to then justify breaking all the windows or burning down people's businesses. And, and why should we care? Because it's just property. Well, that's easy to say until it's your property. Let's talk to Scott on the south side. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Um, good afternoon, Jeff, and thanks for taking my phone. Sure. Um, last night, um, I just want to first start off by saying that, that I don't support the violence and the tactics that are that are be, that are being used, whatever in Kenosha. I think it's again, I think it's obvious, it's ridiculous, it's all, it's over the top, and it's wrong. Um, but but I was, but last night on social media, or whatever, somebody posted some, something about this topic. And, and basically, and I responded back by in the tactics. Basically, I responded back to the person I just said. I'm like, I'm like, don't you realize that the tactics that you're using are getting old, whatever, and that you're losing whatever the support of main of mainstream people, whatever, such as right, such whatever, such such as you as I, whatever. And the person responded back by saying whatever that that we voted, we put in whatever we tried the we tried the peaceful protest, whatever, but. But nothing, nothing is changing. The same issues, whatever, are still continuing. All right, 
And then the person, whatever, and then I just asked the person, like, what, well, what political leaders, whatever, do you think are, are, are hindering whatever your reference, whatever? And the person responded back by saying that the Wisconsin legislature, whatever, Voss and Fitzgerald, whatever, continue whatever to sit, to, whatever to do nothing. Well, then I, well, then I went back to the person. I'm like, well, don't you think whatever that, that, that maybe you should take your protests, whatever, out to those, those areas of the state, whatever, and it, what, so that so those so the people in rural Wisconsin, whatever, get a a taste of what's going on, whatever. I'm like, don't you think, whatever, maybe you should consider mm-hmm. whatever economic boycotts, whatever, against um against some um, speaker boss's or, popcorn business, or right? Maybe or or, or mobilize or mobilize and vote. I mean, yeah, you know, mobilize the community and and vote. That's how in this country we bring about change. And uh, it, you know, to your your point, I, I think. The more people look at the, the the violence and just the the the, the disconnect, you were going to go loot State Street again in Madison for goodness sakes. I think the more people say, I don't want to be a part of this group, and I I I don't want to get in bed, figuratively speaking, with you know the, these organizations that are promoting this type of violence. I mean, we you know, we we've seen it. In recent American history, where people have been turned off to these different things, and I, I, I think that's the, the the problem. You you support the cause and the mission, but you don't support the tactics, and you get turned off by them. Exactly so. my point. It's it, exactly my point. I mean, they're to me they're they're directing the protest acti- activities in in safe areas, whatever, with people, whatever, who generally support their mission. But but not their but not their tactics, and they, and they need to redirect the protest a- activities to parts of the state, whatever, which 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 are immune to the issue and, and have really no clue what's going on. Well, th- thanks for call. Or or again, the, 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 I'm reading a book right now. It, it's called May Day 1971, and it's about the May Day protests about the Vietnam War. It's actually it's it's written by a liberal author who's got a very liberal perspective on this but it but it's 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 fascinating to you know read about the, the May Day protests in 1971 were about where you had all the these people who descended on Washington ranging from Vietnam veterans against the war to the yippies and the weather underground to stage these different protests and it, it's it's a it's a really really interesting book and, and actually one of the reasons I'm I'm reading it so intently is I'm trying to figure out if there's lessons between you know what happened then and what happened now. I, I just I I know that for average people, if you're trying to bring people over to your cause, throwing Molotov cocktails at at buildings. And, and looting stores of shopkeepers that have nothing at all to do with with the situation, or or you know going on here we're gonna we're gonna go onto some automobile dealer's lot we're gonna set all these cars on fire. All right, how do you think that that brings people to your cause? Does it say okay yes we're angry yeah yeah fine yes we we understand people are are angry okay good you're you're angry now how do you bring about change? And if you think throwing Molotov cocktails and burning down buildings is an effective way to force people to change no i I, it it doesn't and let's talk politics for just a minute for everybody out there who who wants to see this few through the the political prism um i i think all the all the violence all this type of stuff candidly it it plays into the hands of people who are going to be making a law and order type of approach saying look you know we 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 understand that there's problems in this country, but if your response is 
burn down buildings and loot stores of innocent people, and we're just going to treat that, what was the phrase, as collateral damage. I think you're going to turn off a lot of of people we'll we'll see what happens but i'm i mean candidly i i'm afraid we do not have a handle on this yet i know that the governor called out the national guard i i don't know what tonight is going to look like in kenosha i don't know what tonight is going to look like in in madison but i i do think there is this silent majority of people and i always hate to use that term because it's got nixonian undertones but there's a silent majority of people who look at this and say hey you know we we don't want to see our cities burned down and the people that are are doing this okay we we want to see them we want to see them held accountable it's one thing to have peaceful protests we've got elections coming up in november if people think that that's the way to bring about change great do it mobilize vote do that Burning down some poor 68-year-old guy's business that he's had it for 40 years, that's not the way to bring about change, period. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And, of course, the, the looting and the violence, and I'm, I'm getting a number of texts from people who are uh, apologize, uh, being apologists for this. Well, it's, you know, we, we should be talking about, you know, police reform, not talking, not condemning people who are burning down buildings and putting people's lives in danger. No, I'm, I'm sorry. The, these are, to me, two separate things. It is perfectly appropriate to condemn police misconduct, if that's what this turns out to be. And unlike some other examples where you you can at least see the defense for this, I, I, I'm going to be fascinated to hear the facts, but I, I, I think it's going to be tough to justify what happened. I understand there's people who are going to try to do that. We'll have that conversation when the investigation is completed. But I'm sorry, regardless of police misconduct or not, even assuming that to be the case, there is no way this is justified. It, this It is an excuse for agitators to try to advance their position, whether it's their anarchy or whether it's personal, I, I don't know, they get a kick out of just burning down and destroying things, or whether, hey, this is my opportunity to go out and loot the liquor store. I mean, I'm looking at the, these protests, I'm reading the different reports, and it was bad in Kenosha, it was bad in Madison. Um, here, here's one of the ways they described the Madison report. The smell of fire hung over downtown Madison just after midnight Tuesday, after peaceful protests at least what started as peaceful protests, once again erupted into flames. Uh, protests in the Wisconsin capital city started around 9, drawing out hundreds of protesters who were largely peaceful. Group marched up and down State Street and other streets near the UW campus, drawing students into their ranks. Okay, that's fine. As night fell, the protests became more tumultuous as the number of people in the crowd dwindled slightly. In other words, the people that are there for legitimate protests, they go home. You know, they go home, and the people that stay are the agitators. Several dumpsters were set on fire. Um, apparently, firefighters then come out to work to extinguish the blaze. Police on horseback were wish- working to push protesters away from a liquor store on State Street after the door was busted in. Yeah, okay, they're busting in the door in the liquor store. It, it's not to protest. 
the shooting of a guy in Kenosha. It's because this is our opportunity to go in and loot the liquor store, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, people looting um, a nearby Warby Parker and other stores along State Street, windows at the UW Credit Union on the square completely busted in. Um, you have Molotov cocktails that are being thrown in Kenosha, rioters targeting car dealerships and other businesses in the second night of the unrest. And let us play this out. All right, how, how does this all work out? I mean, what what is the end game here? All right, let's assume, again, for the sake of argument, that the investigation determines that one or more of those police officers involved in the shooting Sunday were, were culpable. They had committed a crime. They end up getting charged, just like the, the Minneapolis cops and the George Floyd shooting are, have been charged with a crime. Okay, how does that change the dynamic? They end up getting charged. They end up getting prosecuted. The criminal justice system works its way. All right, how... How does that equate to, all right, we, we've now we've now destroyed all these businesses, some of which may rebuild, others may not rebuild. All right, we, we've burned all these cars on the, the car lot. So, okay, now people, especially in some of these economically deprived areas, all right, more jobs have just disappeared, all right, because the business owners decide we're, we're not going to open up again. We're not going to stay here because we don't want to put up with this. I don't care whether it's insured or not. How many times do you run a business where people break out the windows of your how of your business time after time after time before you finally say okay enough is enough i'm closing this particular business so then you have you know huge swaths of, of vacant buildings in downtown business areas how does that help anybody in the community and the simple answer is it, it doesn't so for people who want to engage in protest fine engage in protest but the protest leaders I think would do well to denounce the violence. And I think our elected officials putting aside, it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, elected officials would do well to, again, denounce the violence and the destruction. Yes, channel things into positive efforts. Mobilize the vote. Bring about change the way you want to accomplish it. But if you're going to defend, I don't know, firebombing buildings and attacking business owners like happened in Kenosha last night who are trying to defend their property, sorry, I'm not with you. And I don't think the vast majority of this country is going to be with you either. Again, I'm getting a number of texts from people saying, I know somebody who knows this information and this is what what's not being shown on the cell phone video is what the guy said before the shooting and what he had, you know, and, 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 and that'll all come out. And, and and maybe that will, I mean, change people's perception. But I, again, I think regardless, even if you assume that it was an unjustified shooting and an overreaction, that, that doesn't justify what's happened. Let me tell you one thing that they should be doing in Kenosha and they should be doing across the state that hopefully everybody could agree on. And that that's body cameras. Back back in 2017, the, the Kenosha City Council endorsed putting body cameras on on police. I am a big believer in that because candidly, I, I believe if you had these body cameras, I, I believe that that would it would resolve 
the vast majority of, of complaints that are, are filed against police, and it would resolve them in, in favor of the police. I, I really believe that. I think it would show a professionalism. Maybe I'm wrong, but, but one of the problems that we have with Sunday is none of the officers were equipped with body cameras. So we don't know. We don't have video evidence or audio evidence of what happened before, at least from the officer's perspective, what happened during the uh, initial encounter. And we don't have, you know, um, video evidence of what the officers saw after the shooting or, or leading up to the shooting. All you've got is the cell phone video from somebody who's, you know, on, on the outside of this, you know, taking from afar. I firmly believe that, that if, if nothing else comes out of this incident, maybe this is the impetus for the Kenosha Police Department in general, specifically, but other police officers, police departments as well, to you know have the public officials to make the commitment to put to put those cameras on because then then you have it because like I say right now, at least my understanding is the the only video evidence that you're going to have of this is these cell phone videos taken from from bystanders, so you don't have the police perspective and I, so you don't know for sure you, you'll have their their statements and all, but it's not like we're going to have cameras and film footage to show what happened before and what the the victim did and, and what the police did, and you're not going to be able to see the, the interaction. So it's always going to be a lot of this he said, she said, and you're going to be living with this cell phone video. I, I think, again, regardless of what side of the issue you are on, maybe if there's any silver lining at all to come out of the very dark cloud that is this particular incident, maybe it's finally we're going to wake up and say, okay, we've got to spend the money to equip these officers with body cameras so we can at least see what the officer was perceiving before during and after an incident like this. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We're, we're going to move on from the, the, the shooting. Obviously, this is an issue that is not going to go away, unfortunately, and that there's going to be lots of opportunity to discuss this. And I, I, I'm sure that there will be another side of the story which will uh, emerge as the police officers say why it is that they thought it was justified. And again, I, I, I'm getting some feedback from some folks who are very, very pro-law enforcement um, who are saying, well, there, there's all these different conditions under which it would be justified to shoot somebody in in the back. And it, it it would take a unique set of circumstances to justify that, but maybe maybe the investigation will will show that, and we'll have an opportunity to discuss it. Um, at, at the same time, again, if you're trying to think about one thing, maybe constructive to come out of this, it would be for whether it's the state or whether it's for local communities. If you had police wearing body cameras, you would have at least had in this case, and and there weren't, from what I'm being told, there weren't. These officers weren't equipped with body cameras in Kenosha. You would at least have some sort of documentary view of of their perspective as opposed to just, okay, we've got this 20-second cell phone video, and and maybe there is more to the story. Wouldn't it be nice to have a more complete picture? And in today's day and age, like I say, I firmly believe, without talking about this particular case, I firmly believe that, that body cameras 
in the vast majority of cases, will prove that the police officers behaved in a professional and appropriate manner. Not saying it's going to be true all the time, but if you've got something on on tape and you've got it on film, you eliminate the he said, she said sort of thing. You eliminate, you know, the the accounts of of bystanders who, you know, maybe have their own axes to grind. The the sooner we equip police officers with with body cameras, and I understand there's issues with cost, and I understand that there's technical issues like, all right, how how long do you keep the the film? Do you keep it a week? Do you keep it a month? Do you keep it a year? Do you keep it 10 years? I understand that there's all sorts of issues with that, but you can work that out. The sooner I think police officers, especially in today's day and age, all of them have cameras, I, I think the better off it is going to be for the officers themselves and the community. All right, let us switch gears. Joe Biden, man who very well be, may well be the, the next president of the United States, he um, did an interview on ABC on, on Sunday night. And one of the things he said was that if he were president, he would shut the country down to stop the spread of the coronavirus if it were recommended by scientists. Quote, I would be prepared to do whatever it takes to save lives because we cannot get the country moving until we control the virus. This is the fundamental flaw of the administration's thinking to begin with. I would shut it down. I would listen to scientists. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry. I think to, quote, unquote, shut the country down again would be disastrous. And I guess my question to, to start off with to, to former Vice President Biden is, OK, you, you say you're going to listen to the scientists. Well, OK, which, which scientists are, are you going to, to listen to? I mean, who, who's going to be making this decision? You know, some of the scientists at the beginning said that they didn't think masks were to help. But now they say they do. Remember, at the beginning of all this, we had the scientists who were saying we need all these ventilators. And so we generate all these ventilators. And then we find out that, well, no, the ventilators really don't don't work that well. Um, Some countries have have done the the strict lockdowns. But now they're starting to find that maybe there are better, more effective ways to do this. To this point, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a tweet this morning. There is an enormous story in the Wall Street Journal today, and um, it's new. It's called New Thinking on COVID Lockdowns. Lockdowns are overly blunt and costly, and it, it outlines different ways that you can deal with or, or try to deal with COVID-19 without going to just kind of this sledgehammer thing of saying, like, we're going to try to shut down the country again. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you support having the country shut down again like we did, I don't know, in March and April in Wisconsin, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Vice President Biden says if he's elected and the scientists, he's not telling him which scientists, but if scientists say shut down the country to stop the spread of coronavirus, I will shut down the country. To which I I, I say, really? Now, 
as a result of COVID-19, I mean, here's the numbers. Worldwide, we've lost about 400 million jobs, 13 million in the U.S. alone. Now, that's not all because of the government-ordered shutdowns. I mean, it's and it's really very difficult to determine Okay, the, the government ordered restaurants, for example, to shut down for in-person service, but they were allowed to do carryout, but they couldn't make it during carryout. So is that is that because of the government shutdown, or is it just because people decided they didn't want to go out? I mean, th- there's various factors, but we, we know that these massive shutdowns have had a huge, huge negative effect on, on the economy. So... All right, before people call in and say, well, don't don't you care about lives? My, my point, and it's been the whole time, yes, I care about lives, but there has to be a, a balancing. One of the things that we're starting to see as a result of, of the shutdowns that we had is all sorts of other problems. You've had people that have delayed getting medical treatment, and you've had people, and who knows how that's going to affect. You've had substance abuse problems, which have kind of gone through the the roof. It's there are collateral damages there, and that's why you have to have th- this balancing. In this story that I, I tweeted out, I do highly kind of recommend it. I mean, they talk about, all right, are there things that you can do to control coronavirus without using the sledgehammer, which is trying to shut down the, the country? And, and there's all sorts of things. I mean, we... We understand, for example, now a lot more than we did in March. We understand that as a general rule, I mean, COVID-19 doesn't spread as much outdoors as it does indoors. Okay, so that's it. Maybe what we need to do is we need to concentrate on some of these indoor things. Okay, limit the size. All right, let, let's let's not have 25,000 people attending an indoor sporting event. Maybe it's not a good opportunity to do that. Maybe you need to encourage, like, the social distancing for people who are going to be inside the restaurants and things like that. But, but all those are things that you do without taking the sledgehammer effect of saying, okay, well, we're trying to get the virus under control, so what we have to do is we have to close all these things down again. I just don't think the American people are are on top of that. Here's a text. Jeff, will Biden give everyone more government money? Can the country go deep into debt? Well, yeah, I mean, I th- there's no other choice because if you go back and you say to all these businesses that have been open, you say to all the, the hairdressers, for example, the, the barbershops, et cetera, who, who've been able to reopen and now are reopened with limitations but are still just kind of making it through you say to them okay we're going to close you down again well well, really you you might as well just kind of say okay we're we're going to eliminate this entire sector of the economy you look at what's going on with american airlines today that's the announcement we had it during the news they've said that they're they're losing let me see let me pull the thing out we want to be exact here they are getting rid of nineteen thousand jobs they're cutting about 30% of their workforce right by as of october 1st so they're doing away with 30% of their workforce because the airline industry has been absolutely and totally crippled by covid-19 now again it's not all the government response it's not all the government ordered closers but it but it's all related because even if people can fly on planes if 
there's there's nowhere to go. Um, if the businesses have been closed down, where you're going to go, you're, you're not going to go. We had I've told the story before. We had a trip scheduled to Disney World, okay, um, in June. Disney World wasn't open. So, all right, we ended up canceling the airline reservations. I mean, it's, it's all these things. It's all related in one way or another. But here you have you know, American Airlines dumping 19,000 jobs, and they're saying that they don't think that those jobs are are coming back anytime soon. Um, Jeff, Biden's not saying he's going to shut it down unless the consensus of various experts are consulted and say that's the only way. No one is saying to shut it down. That's taking it out of context. No, I'm not taking it out of context at all. He says, if the experts tell me that this is what I have to do, I'm, I'm willing to do it. He's not saying that I'm definitely going to do it, but he's certainly leaving the door open for his willingness to do it. And I just don't think... Th- I don't think that, first of all, that that is a good idea. Secondly, I don't think that we can support that. And I think, you know, if you want to talk about long spread economic disaster, unless we're all going to go on the government dole, you shut the country down. Jeff, if they close the country down again, this country is dead. Um, wow. Um, Jeff. Riots, cancer, addiction, depression, spousal abuse, suicides, all on the rise. Do we still want or need another um, shutdown to try to save lives? Um, Jeff, I understand the consequences of another shutdown. However, I fear the consequences if we don't shut down again. No telling when a vaccine will be available. Well, okay, that's the idea. I mean, I think that's why. People need to be smart with coronavirus, and you need to recognize that for at least the foreseeable future, it's something we're going to have to figure out how to live with, which is the the social distancing, which is following the mask rules, particularly when it comes to stuff inside. Outside is a much different sort of story, and and not being stupid, not and there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not being stupid. The college kids, you know, who who go away to college and deciding, okay, here, we're going to go to have a party with 300 people or, gee, the high school kids. I want to go to fill in the blanks graduation party. I'm not feeling good. I've got a fever. What the heck? I'm going to go. And next thing you know, you've got 20, 30, 40, 50 people that are infected. Maybe the idea being. All right, these large parties just aren't a good thing, you know. But as I frequently say on this program, you can't fix stupid. Uh, that that's always what the limitation is going to be. But you need to be smarter, um, and and that's what we have to end up doing. Jeff, absolutely not. Our economy and people cannot handle another lockdown. There have to be a better alternatives. We need to learn to live with COVID. Emphasis on on the live. And and actually, this piece that I texted out, it also, I mean, it, it talks about prioritizing the thing. Yes, you can have a bad result. Anybody that can get sick with COVID can have really, really bad results. But statistically, we know who the people are that have the worst results. We know that we need to prioritize keeping it out of nursing homes, keeping it out of senior centers. And and nobody wants to get sick with this. We understand it. But we need to prioritize, okay, the rules for identifying those people who are most vulnerable 
and, and making sure they are most protected. And, and candidly, I think a lot of those people are, are doing it themselves, as I've said before. I mean, I have some friends who are in particularly vulnerable categories, and, and they don't go out at all. And they're probably not going to go out at all for the foreseeable future, at least until they get herd immunity. We get herd immunity or you get the vaccine. Lord knows when that's going to be. Bottom line is the, the idea of shutting down the country. I think we need to recognize what happened before and need to realize that, yes, it sounds like it's a good solution. It's a solution that we never did. In the previous flu pandemics and stuff, we never shut down the country. We targeted things and we said, okay, what can we do to try to make this work, all the while recognizing that you just can't close down the United States? That's what we need to do. We need to be smart about this. Um Jeff, while we bicker, other nations are making vaccine progress. Well, I I don't know if it's a question of of bickering. I think people are working on the vaccine. Um, Jeff, if we were to shut the country down for two weeks, we could get a handle on this period. Um, I don't know why people think that. I mean, we've we've had the shutdowns. As a matter of fact, you know, we've had large scale shutdowns and that that hasn't stopped it that the idea that you shut the country down and make everybody live in a cave for two weeks and you think this is going to go away i think that's just naive at best all right but joe biden leaves that on the table you're going to see that as some campaign issues and stuff i putting aside the politics of it i i hope it was just something he said because he felt he had to say it as opposed to something that he was really serious about Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Crew, producing the show today and always. I have a, I, I thought of you with one of these texts because you're getting married soon and you just you had a bachelor party not that long ago. Yeah, about a week, ten days. All right, yeah, say. and you're 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 not looking as green as you were after the, the first couple of days. Here's a text, Jeff. I've been on two bachelor parties in the last month. One in Nashville, the other in the Dells. We wore masks in Ubers and on planes. Bars, clubs, and gentlemen's clubs that would be strip joints uh, did not require them. Huh. I avoided seeing my parents for two weeks after to be safe. No one got sick on either trip. I don't know a single person that's had COVID. It feels overblown because of my experiences. So this guy's going out to bachelor parties and stuff. Okay, were you were, were you at any of those gentlemen's clubs and stuff during your bachelor party? Uh, no. Uh, we... <laughs> We tried to walk to a bar late at night, but I think they, they were already closed. They were in the process of closing, but they did sell us a six pack that we drank on the dock outside. I, I see. So that that was it. So it, you weren't you weren't flying all over the country on planes and, and attending strip joints and things like that. No, it wasn't a priority. All right. No, I just I was I was just kind of asking. I again I I, I look at some of these things and. I, I understand there's some people who think it's overblown and there's some people who think we're not getting enough attention to it. I mean, I, again, I just think you, you have to be smart about these things. When I hear the, the stories, again, of the, like the college kids, hey, and, and th- this is going to be one of the issues that you have, particularly with reopening colleges, because you've got some kids that are living in the dorms, but then you've got lots of people that are living in like the student housing off of campus, and there, there's very, they're adults, there's very little that anyone can can do, whether it's Tommy Thompson, who's now running the UW system, or, or Tony Evers, or, or whatever. I mean, if, if you can't control 
you know, rioting in the streets, it, it's going to be very difficult to control a bunch of kids who are lead, uh, 21-year-olds who are living in off-campus housing if they decide that they, they want to get together with a 100 of their closest friends and, and have a party. It, it's, it's not smart to do that. It is inviting, in my opinion, it's inviting trouble because, again, even if you have the 21 or 22-year-old that gets sick and it, it turns out to be something that they're, they're better in a week, there are there is a good chance that they are going to spread this to somebody else. And as a result, we're, we're going to have this cycle that continues and continues and continues, which is why I think people do, in fact, need to be smart. But the reality is there, there's very little, I think, that you can do to control people's behavior. And going back to what we were talking about a couple minutes ago, trying to, to shut down the economy and to say to the, the dog groomer or the hairdresser or the person that runs the, the small family-run jewelry store, here, we're going to make you shut down. Well, good luck with that. It, it's, it, it, it destroys the economy and it doesn't get us anywhere concentrate on the things that maybe are the real big causes. Let's try to figure out ways to avoid the large group gatherings and things of the like until you end up getting a vaccine. Just saying, when we come back, all right, let's talk about public schools, those that are open and those that aren't. And we're going to continue the tone of today's show. It's going to be controversial. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, schools are starting to open up. Um, actually, on, on Friday, if you are a parent out in the Madison area, Dane County, and you send your kids to private parochial schools, etc., boy, on, on Friday, you got rogered, but good. There's just, there's, here's the deal. Madison was going to close the public schools, and what they're seeing happen is a number of parents are responding to that by, by saying, look, Virtual learning doesn't work for our kids. And so they're making plans to send, okay, the private school kids, They a lot of the private schools were going to open, and at least some of the kids who were going to be going to public schools, the parents were considering sending them to private schools. And what happened, and I, you will never convince me that there was not politics involved in this, I think the, the school system and the county executive, they get together and they say, well, we can't have that happen. So at the very last minute, they announced that no schools would be allowed to open up for grades 3 through through 12. And, and again, this is all part of the um, sort of changing things. And let, let's let's look at the dynamics. Look, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to open schools up or not, but we know that the virtual learning is not working well, and for some kids, it's not working at all. So, if parents want to have the option to do that, and the schools are willing to give it a try, you, you I think they should be able to give it a try. But again, what's happening here is you've got some of the, these bureaucrats who, uh, again, are are hell-bent on trying to not upset teachers' unions and not upset the public school apple cart. So they don't want to do what they would perceive to be giving the private schools an advantage by allowing them to open in person. So you now have this, okay, at the last minute, we're going to pull the rug out from under you. And I I think there is going to be a reckoning that comes from this at at some point in, in time as to how much of how much of public policy they're going to be allowed to uh, we're going to be allowed to have dictated by you know PhDs who have positions as as health commissioners and and how they're going to shut stuff down 
All right, but that's not the aspect of the school reopening that I want to discuss. In many school districts around our area, the decision has been made that the kids are not going to be allowed to go back to school. Um, prominent example of that, Oak Creek, another example of that, Mequon Thienesville, where once again the school board pulled the rug out from under parents at, at close to the last minute. And a lot of parents very upset. A lot of parents are looking at pulling their kids out of public schools and sending them to private schools because, again, they don't believe the virtual learning is working. But that's the decision the school boards have ended up making. We're not going to allow the schools to open in person. So we're going to do the virtual learning. All right, so the kids have to be at home. In several school districts, though, the policy is that unless there is a medical excuse, the teachers are going to be required to come in and do the virtual, their presentations and stuff, they're going to be required to be in the school building. Um, South Milwaukee, Greenfield teachers are being required to work from their school buildings. Looks like Glendale River Hills School District looks like that's something that they're going to be requiring as well. So the idea is, okay, you're not going to have the kids in the classrooms, but we want the teachers to come in. And there's a variety of reasons why they have that. If you've got a, a verifiable medical excuse, maybe, again, you're, you're a teacher that falls into one of these vulnerable sort of categories, well, you know, you, you can work it out with the principal, school board, you know, whatever, on an individual basis. But the general rule is for otherwise healthy instructors, you're supposed to be in the building doing the virtual learning. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't have any problem with this. I mean, I don't think it is unreasonable to say, all right, look, we virtual learning did not work well at, in, at the end of last semester. It, it didn't. And, and we need to figure out a way to get it more uniform. We need to figure out a way to do this better. And maybe one of the ways we can do this better is by bringing teachers into into the building. And again, if you've got a health excuse, you know, that that's fine. We'll consider that. But that's not going to be applying to the vast majority of teachers. We want them doing their instructions from their, their classrooms or from the school facilities. This allows, I think, the administrators to have better control over, you know, what what's going on during the day. It allows stuff to be more standardized. It allows more review. And it allows for, again, that, that peer interaction. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should teachers, again, absent a valid health reason, should they be required to be teaching from the school facilities as opposed to from their living room or their kitchen or their den or their bedrooms? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't have any problem with the school districts saying you got to come back. Do you? We discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, a number of school districts that are not 
allowing the students back into the classrooms are nevertheless saying to the teachers, you know, we, we want you to come back to school and we, you know, we expect you to, to show up and the, the virtual teaching, you're, you're going to have to do it from the school building. And th- there's all sorts of reasons why, I guess. Part of it is, is accountability. Um, I, and my guess is a large chunk of it is accountability. But if teachers don't have a valid medical excuse, they're supposed to come back. I don't have a problem with that. Um, Here's a text, Jeff. If we are not allowing children back to school to protect people from COVID-19, then teachers, if they can do their job from home, should not be expected to come to school as well. Well, no, no, wait a second here. The the, the idea is it's one thing if you're concerned that, gee, you're going to have 20 or 25 kids in a classroom and that that might pose a health risk. It's another thing to say, we're going to have a teacher in, in the classroom. Complete seems to me it's completely apples and oranges. And I think you have school districts that are making the calculation, just like a lot of businesses do, that, you know, okay, maybe the remote learning isn't working as well. Maybe we think we can do it better by making people come into the classrooms. Now, you're, you're talking to somebody who, when this first happened in March, I, I did my show from home for 11 weeks. Then powers that be here somewhere along the, the thing said, no, we, we think we think it's safe, we think it's reasonable, and we think it's better. We want you to come back. And so I, I've been back for a few months, and it's been absolutely fine. There's a number of people who, who haven't gotten to work at home at all during the, this pandemic, the people who've been going out on a, on a regular basis and have been expected to show up. And I guess I, I don't think it is unreasonable to say, you know, if, if you're a teacher, that, yeah, we, we want you to come into the building, just like I don't think it's unreasonable for our station management to say, Jeff, we want you to come into the building. Now, they're not going to be around the kids. So, yes, and, and again, if, if you're somebody who's got a medical reason a particular vulnerability or something, well, then you work that out on an individual basis. But otherwise, you you show up. I don't think that's too much to ask. Companies all across this country are are doing the the same thing. Some have decided, hey, this stay-at-home, this remote stuff works just fine. Others are saying, hey, it's not working out that well for us. And so what we want to do is we we need you to come back into the office. Jeff, my neighbor just posts his assignments in the morning um, up to the kids to contact or email. He's a teacher. He's just hanging out, getting a long-paid vacation. Well, and I don't mean this to turn this into a teacher's bashing thing because that, that's not my, my point. But I, I think what a lot of school districts are looking at is the recognition that what happened last last spring wasn't good. For most kids, it it did not work out. Now, it it came upon a lot of people quickly, but I think the belief is, you know, we want to have some sort of standards. Some teachers approached it one way, others approached it another way. And and yeah, if we're going to be paying people full-time salaries, there's no reason not to bring them back into the classrooms, whether there's kids there or not. I don't think that that's an unreasonable position to take. Jeff, I think it's a great idea to have the teachers come back to school. The kids will be back much sooner if that happens. Um, Yeah. Jeff, the teachers should be in school. They need access to the materials to present the lessons, whiteboards, and all things like that. Um, Jeff, I think if they want to get paid full-time, they should have to show up for work. 
Jeff, absolutely get the teachers back to work in person. Everyone else had to work, so no sympathy at all. Go earn the paycheck. Now, there, in fairness, there are some companies that have, have said, all right, th- this remote working thing, that's fine, and we're going to continue it. There's a couple large Milwaukee companies, for example, that are, are saying that they're not going to bring their employees back into the office setting until after the first of the year at, at best. Um, and, and that's entirely possible. But again, it, it all depends on what the nature of the business is and what the office setting is going to look like. And candidly, if you have schools that are going to be largely empty except for the teachers, seems to me the, the risk of, of COVID-19, well, it, it's dramatically less than the risk of, hey, the, the teacher going out and having a fish fry at a place on, on a Friday. You know, it, it'd be one thing. If you're talking about, like, like I say, 25 or 30 kids in a classroom, but that's not what you're, you're talking about. Jeff, the definition of vulnerable is used, being used awful loosely. I know several teachers who, um, you know, except for maybe hypertension, have no health conditions at all. They all applied for and were granted the ability to teach from home. We would love to see some statistics on how many are being allowed to do that. Jeff, my sister's kid is in a class in Illinois. When the teacher works from home, she's distracted by what's going on at home, and the kids waste time. When she's in the classroom, it runs smoother, which, again, is is another one of, of these issues. Look, I understand why you know teachers, particularly teachers with families, would love to stay at home, because there's less accountability, and that's just the reality, and if you've, for example, if you've got kids yourself who aren't in the school system, you know, who, who aren't able to go to school, um, well, it's easier if you're there because then you can be present, you can be teaching, and you can also be watching the kids. If, if you've got if you got to show up in person, it's, it's more difficult. But at the same time, that's the reality. Jeff, it would be great for the kids to see their teachers in the classroom with the classroom as a background um yeah jeff it's too expensive to keep a whole school open for like 50 employees well no the school i'd say i don't buy that that the school is going to be open period i mean that the the school the school is being maintained you've you've got the custodians and stuff that are are there now do they have to go you know and pick up the trash on a daily basis yeah but it seems to me the school is going to be open the administrators are going to be there again if a school district decides that it is in the interest of the people they ultimately serve, which would be that that's the taxpayers and being the kids that, that send the kids to school, and they decide that that can be served better by having the teachers in the classrooms, even without kids. Now, I'm an advocate of, of opening up the schools. As a general rule, I think we should be opening up the schools to in-person instruction. Maybe you have to do it on a hybrid basis or something like that. But but I think it's important to get the kids back in the classroom because I believe firmly that virtual learning is a complete and total disaster. And it's not going to change. The dynamic is just not going to change anytime soon. And I don't think you can afford to lose another semester or another year or another year and a half while we wait for a vaccine until we start to open up the schools. You have to try different things and and see if it ends up working and then end up learning from that. But this virtual learning is a disaster as a general rule. And I think especially for, for example, special needs kids and all, I think it's, it's a, a triple 
disaster. And I think most special needs parents and most special needs teachers would tell you it's been that way. But if you can't get the school boards to open up the schools, a good start is to say to the teachers, okay, you, you've got to come in and you've got to do your job from the classroom, just like we say to the checker at Pick and Save, you, you've got to come in, just like we say to the people that are stocking the shelves in the hardware stores. And we've said to them since March, you, you've got to come in and do your job. Don't think it's unreasonable to say to the teachers, we expect you to come in and, and do your job from the classroom while we work ourselves through this. As long as we're talking about schools, there's another unintended consequence that's out there. The the story is MPS, and MPS made the decision a while back that um, when they were called into question about reopening, their decision was we're not going to reopen. They've gone to virtual learning, and I I, I tried to cut them some slack because unlike some school districts, I understand that the Milwaukee public school system has, has unique problems. Milwaukee remains an, an epicenter of, of COVID-19. You've got public transportation that the kids have to use. And so I, I, I understand, and, and maybe you can make a stronger case for MPS doing virtual learning, even though virtual learning doesn't work very well, than, than you can for, say, Greendale or uh, schools in Waukesha or schools in Washington County or, or wherever. But here's another one of the consequences. The Milwaukee Public Schools an- announced I think yesterday, that they're they're not going to have any fall sports. They've pulled the plug on high school sports, indefinitely suspended the start of the regular season fall sports due to coronavirus. And 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 again, I understand. I mean, the idea is if you can't have the students back in class to – I don't know, in, in, in person to like learn reading and writing and arithmetic, how, how can you, how can you be doing football practices and things like that? And I, I think it would, I understand where they're coming from. Here, here is the problem. And this is again one of these unintended consequences. Who knows what effect this is going to have on the kids who really, the, the reason they even make an effort at school is because of sports. Now hear me out on this. I, Buzz Williams used to be the head coach for men's basketball at Marquette, and and we were together at an event one time, and there were there was a Marquette player who had had injured himself early in the year, and he was taking like a they thought it was going to be a red shirt season where he was going to sit out the the whole year and then not lose a year of eligibility, and they had announced that they were going to bring the guy back for like like the last four or five games, and and if they did that he. he He'd lose that year of eligibility. And I remember asking him about this, and he said to me, and it's something that's always stuck to me, and he said, well, Jeff, here's the deal. He said, for, for you, it's difficult to appreciate that there are, there are students in this world who, who they, they, they don't care about school. They, they just, that's just the reality. They don't care about school. And the only reason they even make the pretense of going to school is because they need to do it to, to participate in sports. That, that's their whole thing. And he was saying, we were just talking in general terms. He said, if you, if you take away the ability to participate in sports, you're, you're going to lose these kids. You're going to lose these kids because they, they don't, they don't care about anything other than participating in sports, but they'll show up in class if they know that they're going to lose their eligibility to participate in sports. And I, I again, as somebody who was always kind of academically oriented, I, I, I found oriented. I found that kind of hard to believe. But you know, I, I think there's there is an element of this. Now, I I don't know 
what percentage of MPS students that that describes. But undoubtedly that there are probably a large number of kids who, again, it's it's the ability to play basketball. It's the ability to play football. It's the ability to play volleyball, whatever, that motivates them to at least at least give it a try to, to show up and, and participate. And I do wonder when you take away the, the ability to participate in sports, is that going to take away any and all motivation that a lot of these kids, or at least some of these kids, going to have? We, we won't know the answer for a while. And I understand that once you've made the decision to close the school to in-person learning, all this other stuff flows. You, you can't have the football games if you close the school. That just doesn't make sense. But maybe... Just maybe it was something that should have been taken into consideration before you made the decision to close the school to in-person learning. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa Barkley, you know, I it's everybody has different midlife crises. You know what mm-hmm. my midlife crises was? Uh, I'm going to say you bought a really cool sports car. No, no. My midlife crisis is that I, I can't hit my six iron as far oh, as no. I used to. <laughs> you know, I, That's I, not so I, bad. I, 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 no, I've, I've lost about 10 yards. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take less. I'm trying to figure out. I, I want that, that 10 yards. But no, but but right. That 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 is my that that's kind of my midlife crisis. And and, and actually, as midlife crises go, I think that that's that, that's OK. You know, okay. I, where are the bounds of midlife crises? What, when does it start potentially and when does it end potentially? I feel like there's a lot of leeway. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, any, any time, I would say any time from 40 to yes. 60, you know, okay. it's, it's that, it's that range, you yes, know, it that's, is. It, it's kind of that broad range and it does manifest itself, you know, right. You, you have the people that buy the sports cars or that, that leave that from a guy's, they, they leave their wife and kids yes. and go, no, that, 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 that's not me. I mean, it's I know it's, it, it's, it's, it's surprising. I was like, oh, that. No, no it's, it's again. It's 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 the six iron. It's like, gosh, I just can't hit that that's ball. Not too bad. No, it, it's not. I mean, I'm I like vanilla ice cream. You know, I mean, it's oh, yeah. kind of like that. <laughs> my, my my wife is always teasing me. She says, well, you know, there's all this other stuff that, that's good. I said, Mix I like vanilla ice cream, yeah. but it but it's I it's, good. It's, it's not like I don't like chocolate chip or pistachio. I just I prefer vanilla. So I mean, I'm, it's just that's it. I mean, you know, I'm 41. I think I've had a couple since I turned 40. Of uh, oh, midlife crisis. Okay. Well, the, the reason I, I bring this up is because there's there's midlife crises and there's midlife crises. Mm. And again, my, mine is I just can't hit that golf club yeah. as far. Then there's this Jerry Falwell story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which it's it's one of those that's Whew. just you just kind of you you read the story yeah. and and of course you you don't you, even even accounting for. Uh, the, the fact that there, there's going to be embellishment on this, and that I mean, so so even if you discount half of it, it's still pretty darn it's weird. Very weird, very shocking, and I think we mentioned this before. It seems more weird and shocking when it's someone of that of authority or a religious type or someone of faith. Right. When some, when you hear something like this, you're like, whoa. Right. How did, how did that happen? Right. Know, there, I mean, right. I mean, I guess, yeah, there, there's some people you could think, well, okay, I, I, I could see them that. doing that person. Yeah, I'm not one, surprised. But yeah, this is. When this one came down yesterday, I was like, whoa. Okay. So if, if we're reviewing the bidding on this, uh, Jerry Falwell, who is the, I mean, his, his dad was very, very 
you know, famous. Jerry Falwell, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the, the story, and, and of course the founders of Liberty University, which is this religious university and stuff like that, um, in a private evangelical college in Lynchburg that his father founded, um, you know, one of the leaders of the conservative Christian movement and things like that. The, the reports are that his wife was having an affair with, they, they they describe the guy as a pool boy. Now that that's probably kind of a little bit unfair, but but um, who then the Falwells ended up going into business with, and arranging loans and all this type of stuff. And the 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 really weird part of this is the allegations are that Jerry used to like to watch while his wife engaged in whatever she was engaging in with the guy. So I always say. These stories, yeah. uh, truth. Okay, I, I'm just. Is, no, truth I'm, I'm, is wait always a second. stranger I'm, okay. than fiction. Oh, okay. I was yeah. wondering where you were going with oh. that. I always say. <laughs> when, when, <laughs> no, yeah. no, real life stories that are like this are always blow my mind more than ones that are made up because it's like, wow, this actually happened. And it'll probably turn into a movie or something. I, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Miami Herald story. I have it. How sex in Jerry Falwell's pool boy saga finally went public, and what's left unsaid. Oh. And 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 I mean, the bottom line. And again, you know, who who knows? Uh, other than the fact that yeah. it's just it's just weird. And, and 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 you know, there was something that was kind of going on and all this, whatever that might be. But apparently, it was one of these. And depending on who you listen to, that. There, there was like blackmail and stuff like that involved, and you just—it's kind of like you want to take the the whole bunch of people and just kind of put them in the sack and just kind of like, ooh. Oh <laughs> yeah. wow! I actually read that. <laughs> I, I, I actually read that, and and that's yeah. It's it's kind of a. It is interesting, though. That's definitely um, an eye-catching headline. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and it's uh, definitely yes. There's there, there's no question about it. Um, that's that's it. Jerry Falwell back in the news. Blast from the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll have to at some point in time debate the theory of what point in time. What? Okay, I, all right. I am now curious since you mentioned it. All right, you said you think you've had two since you've turned forty. Just give me an example of one. Oh, midlife gosh. crises. Now that you put me on the spot, let me think here. Um. Well, I think when I moved to Milwaukee, that was sort of one because I thought, oh, if I never, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Right. right. I moved to Milwaukee. I didn't know anybody. Um, Granted, I moved from Green Bay, so I was in Wisconsin, but you know, kind of one of those, those major life decisions. Okay. If I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. So yeah, that was probably one. Okay. Um, and probably like an, another one, just like a, a regular crisis. Okay. <laughs> nothing, nothing good. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah. No, but that, that, but yeah, that, that's for big life decisions that you make in the middle of your life when you think, well, if I don't do it now, this is never, I'm never going to have either a, the opportunity to right. do it again. Right. Or I'll just stay where I'm at. Okay. Well, again, that. Yeah. Well, we're delighted to have you here. Number one. Thank number you. two, as 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 those like life changes go, that's why. I, I mean, see, it's interesting. Like I, I mean, I, right around forty is when I I stopped practicing law and really? started to do this radio thing. Interesting. But, but I don't yeah. think it was really a midlife crisis. It was that. But a major I, life decision. It, it was a life, and and I thought I would do this for two years, and then twenty. Two years later, I'm, I'm still doing it. So it's, but it worked. Yeah, I guess I never viewed it as a midlife crisis. Actually, it was kind of like, 
I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my <laughs> right. life, and I happen to, to stumble into it. So maybe that was it. I understand. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little tiny one. Because I think they look different with different people. My next one, I'm, I'm already planning my next <laughs> crisis. <laughs> I have to uh, buy a new car eventually, and I'm thinking, ooh, do I want What kind of car do I want? I've always wanted I've that always Lamborghini. Wanted, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I've always wanted, you know, a Jeep, or I've always wanted a Dodge Charger, like something, or I'll probably just get another Honda. You okay. know? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be me. Like, yeah, well, that's, that's kind yeah. of it. Like, so it sounds like our midlife crises have, have been have been tame and that's fairly simple and, and that's good it's, at least they didn't involve pool boys no, and extortion true. schemes and no. things like that and that is all good okay let us completely and totally switch gears i i've talked about this before i think the public service commission is making an enormous mistake i don't think they're helping the people they intend to help I, and I also think that they are messing over the rest of us. Here, here is the deal. In Wisconsin, they declare a moratorium starting on November 1st. The utility companies are not allowed to shut off people's electricity, natural gas, or water. Okay, that the moratorium goes into effect November 1st, and it runs, I think, until like April 1st or the 15th, something like that. Okay, and the idea is, all right, we, we don't want people – because they they don't have the ability to pay, we don't want people having their their heat shut off in in the winter. It, it it's a well meaning thing. I understand where it comes from. The problem is you have people who abuse this because they, they view this as just an opportunity to not pay their bills. If you don't pay your cell phone bill, well, you're going to lose the cell phone. They're they're going to shut off service. If you don't pay your car payment, your car is going to get repossessed. If you don't pay your cable bill, they're going to shut off your cable. But yet the utility companies aren't allowed to shut off people's gas or electric or whatever. So there are a percentage of people who are just flat-out deadbeats, who decide, okay, I'm not going to pay this, and uh, I'm not going to even make any effort to pay. I'm not going to pay half of it. I'm just going to stiff the utility company, and I'll, I'll figure out what happens in April. And a lot of them end up having their, their stuff disconnected, and then next winter they, they try to get gas or electric under a different name or you know somebody else's name or whatever. All right, so that's the dynamic. Well, anyhow, so the moratorium kicks into effect last fall. It normally expires in the spring. Well, what's happened in the interim? Well, we, you've, you've had COVID. So the moratorium that was supposed to expire on, again, at the end of March, the Public Service Commission decided to extend that. And what they said is, okay, we're going to extend this until September 1st. So we're going to allow people to go another April, May, June, July, August, another three or four months without paying the bills or without making any effort to try to to pay the bills. And we're also going to do this without doing any sort of means testing at all. By that, I mean, okay, not making any effort at all to require people to prove that they can't pay their bills. So, you know, you, you have somebody who, you know, might be able to pay and has chosen not to pay, well, they're treated the same way as the person who has no money at all. So now 
what you had happen is with that extended, you had people who have now gone almost nine months, with, will, uh, by September 1st, will have almost gone nine months without having to make a, a payment. So when the moratorium expires, they're going to be, they're, they're going to have nine months worth of back utility bills. And for the people that do have economic issues, there's no way in God's green earth that they're going to be able to just write a check for that nine months. Well, last week, the Public Service Commission voted again to extend the moratorium to now October 1st. So you have you have people that will have been able to go essentially 10 months without making a single payment, without paying a dime on their utility bills. Um, they estimate that right now there's about 47,000 residential electric customers Forty, about 39,000 natural gas residential customers and about 7,500 water customers who, who are in danger of having their utilities turned off because they haven't made a single payment. But by, by delaying this, all you're doing is putting these people further and further in the hole. On top of that, the Public Service Commission, by a two-to-one vote, did this without requiring people to prove that they don't have the ability to pay at least something. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a disaster because sooner or later, sooner or later, the Public Service Commission is going to have to let that moratorium expire. Now, maybe their intention is to run it another six months or eight months or whatever. So theoretically, people could have gone a year and a half without having to pay their utility bills. But at the end of the day, by allowing people to run such huge arrears, dig themselves so far in the hole without trying to work out payment plans, you guarantee that they're going to default. And what that means is all the rest of us who are apparently chumps because we pay our utility bills every month, we're the ones that are going to have to pick up the tab for all the people that haven't paid. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think just blanketly extending for everybody, the moratorium on paying is just incredibly bad public policy and is really allowing at least a percentage of people to scam the system. And as somebody, and you're probably in the same category, who does pay your utility bills. And maybe you're somebody who, you know, you, you have to kind of balance this stuff out. And, and maybe because you have to pay your utility bill and you want to stay current, well, maybe that means you got to forego some other stuff that you'd like to pay, but you know it's your obligation and you pay it. You know, essentially, the Public Service Commission is treating those of you who pay your bills like a bunch of chumps. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is amazing to me that they continue to do this without requiring people to at least at least show that they've got the inability to pay i mean we who knows how many people are just taking advantage of this scamming the system because they'd rather not pay as opposed to they can't pay 855-616-1620 we discuss this is jeff wagner on wtmj Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 
is a tech chef. It seems almost everyone in a position of authority today has lost their mind. Utility commission not holding people accountable. Courts not holding offenders accountable for destroying property and attacking the police. It's like we're living in the twilight zone. Yeah, it, it is. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the decision by the Public Service Commission to continue extending the moratorium on electricity or natural gas shutoffs that, that went into effect last fall. So people regardless of their ability to pay, haven't had to pay a dime on their utility bills, and they haven't had to do that since last fall, and this moratorium has now been extended through October 1st. I mean, here's the numbers. Um, the state's Four of the state's largest utilities, including We Energies and Wisconsin Public Service, reported that about 33% of their residential customers are now behind on their bills in July. That compares with 12% um, in April, in April of 2019. So people are farthing, falling further and further behind. But but here's, I mean, here's the dazzling detail and the insanity of what the majority of the Public Service Commission did. They, they, they're... They're not requiring people to prove that they don't have an ability to pay. So it's just, I mean, here, here's the deal. The, the one public service commissioner who dissented, her name is Ellen Novak. I mean, she, here's what she said. She said, look, all right, we've now applied this exemption to the entire state, no matter how much money you make. You know, we shouldn't allow people of middle, upper income, millionaires to be excused from paying their their bills. Uh, and that's that's exactly you know what this ends up doing you you don't have to go in you don't have to show hey i've lost my job because of this all you have to see, you don't have to do anything you just to decide not to pay your bill and and again let's understand what is going to happen here when the by the time the moratorium finally ends if it ends in october all right then you're going to have a lot of people who are going to get 11 months of utility bills and they're not going to be able to write a check to pay it. Now, what they're expected to do is to call We Energies or call Wisconsin, you know, Public Service Commission or call Wisconsin Power or whatever and, and arrange to get on a payment plan. But they're not going to do that. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have massive disconnections either in October or if the Public Service Commission continues this for another six months. At some point in time, you've got all these people who have dug themselves into a hole that they're never going to be able to dig out of. And we have encouraged them to do it. And as a result of that, the rest of us, we're going to have to pay for that. And again, like I say, my guess is, you know, maybe you're in a situation where you, you pay your bills regularly. And during the winter, you, you get a, a high utility bill or something. And maybe it means you, you can't spend that money on, on something else. But, you know, the reality is you're, you're going to pay your bills because you're committed to do it. Or alternatively, if you don't have the money to pay your bill, what you're going to do is you're going to do what responsible people do, which is call in this case, the, the utility, and, and try to work something out. It's, it's like, hey, you call the credit card company. You you know call the, the people that have the car payment. You call your mortgage broker. And, and you say, okay, look, I've, I'm, I, I've lost my job, whatever. I need to work out a payment plan. Can you defer this? But, but you don't have to do that in Wisconsin with the public utilities. All you have to do is just continue to go further and further and further in the hole understanding that there's not going to be any consequence at all, at least no consequence in the short run. And in the long run, ultimately, you're going to finally get disconnected. You're not going to be able to make the payments. And so you're going to have to figure out what you do then. In the meantime, all the rest of the people who are making payments, 
They're the ones that are going to have to pay for what you are doing. It's just a misguided policy. The idea is, well, you know, we we want to help out people in times of trouble. Oh, okay, fine, but don't you have to focus on the people who really need the help as opposed to the people who, well, just recognize, hey, this is great. I don't have to pay for this, and I'll worry about what's going to happen later on.